Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. It's good to see everyone here. Um, can't see people online, but glad you're joining us also. Um, if you're new with us, we do pick topics and talk about it for multiple weeks. And so uh, since the first of the year, we've been talking about pre-deciding better choices, better life. And you can go back and watch those and on Facebook or YouTube or the website. Can you watch one on the website? Yeah, you can even watch one on the website. Okay. So great. Um, today's topic is one word. One word. Now, if you would like a printed outline, they're out in the, in the lobby. Uh, you can print your own. Or they're also available online. But uh, I want to start with a question. What one word, what one word would you like to describe your character? Another way to think about it, what one word would you want on your tombstone? Or what one word would you like people to emphasize on your uh, funeral or memorial service? Um, what one word? Now, lots of words can come to mind. Uh, they were successful. You could say that successful in business, successful in relationships, successful in, in their walk with Jesus, whatever. It could be successful. It could be influential. You know, with, with social media, there's so much about potential uh, influencers, right? Well, maybe you're a, a, Billy Graham was an influencer for the cause of Christ. So that's a good word. Uh, maybe it's happy. Um, lady in the first service, most of you know Kathy. She's teaching some of your children. She was saying, somebody came into her store, she works at a store, and, and said to her, um, you, you're always happy. And you know what her response was? I pre-decided to be happy. And he was impressed with that. So that's the kind of thing we're talking about. All right, happier. Maybe it's um, kind. You know, one word to describe you is kind. Uh, I thought probably a good word would be loving, right? God talks a lot about love. He loves us, you know. When I think of that person, I just think of love. Uh, could be lots of different things. Now, we're going to get to a story where Jesus talked about <laughs> um, kind of the same topic. And uh, he didn't respond with good and successful servant or good and happy servant. He didn't even end his, or uh, make the conclusion, good and loving servant, did he? Now, most of you know what he did say, and we'll get to that in a few minutes. So, quick review, quality of our decisions determine the quality of our lives. Problem is we're not good decision makers, especially when we're pressured. I got to think about Super Bowls next week. Everybody knows that. And one of the keys is if you can pressure the other quarterback, you'll make mistakes, right? Because we don't make the best decisions under pressure. So we're trying to pre-decide so it eliminates the mistakes that we make under pressure. So we're calling this a power, the power of pre-deciding, the power of making good decisions and following through on them. And then we have a fill-in. When you're faced with whatever, week, well, it's actually week two, the first one we made reference to was when you're faced with temptation, right? I pre-decided to be ready. I know temptation's coming, so I'm going to put steps in place so that I'll be able to resist temptation, consequently honor God. And then we talked about some others, so I'm going to review them real quick. First one was, I'm going to be ready you know, with God's help. Now, here's the caveat, with God's help, right? God's help, I'm going to be ready. Uh, the, the following week, we talked about with God's help, 
I'm not consistent normally, but with God's help, I can be consistent. I can be consistently doing the things I want to do, making uh, good decisions. And then the week after, we talked about I'm pre-deciding to be devoted, devoted to God. I'm not going to wait to the last minute to decide if I'm going to spend time with God or, or go to church or whatever it might be. I'm, I pre-decide I'm going to be devoted in all aspects of my life. Then last week, we talked about generosity. We said, I'm pre-deciding to be generous, not a spontaneous giver, not somebody just gives under pressure or gives because they're inspired or just guilted into giving, but I pre-decided that I'm going to be generous. And, of course, today's topic is that I am pre-deciding to be what? Good and faithful servant. Isn't that fascinating? That, that that's the way that Jesus described uh, this servant as a, a, a teaching or instruction for us, that he wants us to be good and faithful. Now, simple question. So why do we find it difficult to be faithful? All right. And basically, I think it's this. We like easy. Don't we all like easy? I like easy. We like easy, and faithful is often hard. Faithful to my diet, my exercise program, faithful even to your spouse uh, or to God, uh, to your children, to your employer, whatever it might be. It's not easy. It comes with a cost. It comes with sacrifice. And so we have that dilemma. I want to be faithful, but I want it to be easy. So on your outline, I'm pre-deciding then to be faithful to God because it's not going to happen accidentally. I'm not accidentally going to be faithful to Him. I like the word intentionality. I have to be in intentionally pre-decide that I'm going to be faithful to God. And we're going to look at what that means here in a minute. Came across this verse. It's in a part of the Bible that some of you probably have never read. It's a little book in the Old Testament, Testament called Habakkuk, uh, most of you know we used to be missionaries in Portugal. They pronounce this word Abacuc. We thought that was a better pronunciation than the English one. It's a cool word, right? Abacuc. Um, anyway, this verse is quoted three times in the New Testament. I never knew that before. Paul quotes it twice, and the writer of Hebrews, not sure who that is, quote this verse also. But we're going to read it from the original um, author, uh, in the Old Testament. He says, look at the proud. You all know proud people, don't you? You've seen proud people. The problem is all of us are proud sometimes, right? I know I am, especially when he describes it. We trust in ourselves. That means you're proud. When I'm trusting my own intellect, my own abilities, my own financial, uh, my own whatever, that's proud. I can do this without you, God. Trust in myself. Notice he says, our eyes are crooked. Now, I don't know how many of you do construction. But one of the worst things to do when you're building something is have a crooked, crooked board, right? A crooked two-by-four. You just can't do anything with it. It's, it's terrible. Well, we're described when we're proud as being crooked. But, flip side, the righteous will live by what? Their faithfulness to God. We don't have to be proud. We don't have to be crooked. We can live by faithfulness to God. Now, what does that mean? Now, most of us would think of that meaning uh, kind of following the rules, right? The rule of God wants, God says in the Ten Commandments, trying to follow that commandment. 
trying to follow this commandment, whatever. Um, we talked about tithing last week. I, you know, I'm going to be faithful in giving that amount of money. <clears throat> Jesus kind of categorized faithfulness in three categories, and here they are. First, he categorized it about relationships. He said, faithfulness, you need to be faithful in the way you treat people. And then as we talked about resources last week, he talked about how to be faithful in managing your resources. And then the third area, which is kind of catch-all, how to respond to God. I want to be faithful in my response to God. So that's where we're going this morning. We'll talk about each of these for a few minutes. Firstly, I'm predecided about relationships, so I'm going to, my interactions are going to be opportunities to add value, the way I treat people. Now, I like that phrase, but it's maybe a little confusing. So what does it mean to add value? What does that mean? Okay, it's an opportunity to pour into that person. It's an opportunity to build that person up. It's an opportunity to encourage that person. It's an opportunity to bless that person. So every interaction you and I have, it's an opportunity to add value to their life. Now, we don't do this accidentally. In fact, <laughs> most of us, unfortunately, don't control the stuff out of our mouths like we should, and we say stuff we shouldn't say, right? Put our foot in our mouth, whatever. So we have to pre-decide, be intentional. In my interaction with other people, I'm going to add value to their life. Now, the problem with this is, Generally, you and I are focused on who? You're focused on me. And I used this illustration a few weeks ago. You get a, a picture, you're in a picture with six or seven other people. And you get a copy of that picture. Who do you look at first? We all look at ourselves first, right? Now, I do because half the time I have my eyes closed. And I, I, uh, fortunately, nowadays, they can just, you know, do another one. And if you don't look good in that picture, if somebody says, is that a good picture, what do you say? Everybody else might look great. But if you don't look great, it's not a great picture, right? We're all focused on ourselves. And interaction, when we have an interaction with other people, what are we thinking about? Did I just say something dumb? Are they going to like me? We're so focused on ourselves. Instead, in fact, we're going to look at a verse that starts with instead. Uh, Paul is writing this to the church in, in Ephesians, and he's talking about some things you shouldn't do. And then he says, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Okay, so instead of being thinking about myself, I'm going to think about other people. With God's help, the Holy Spirit's help, right? Okay? It's called a new nature, because my old nature is to be selfish, right? Self-centered. Created to be like God, because God is the ultimate giver, truly righteous and holy. And then I didn't put all the, the verses on there. Then he talks about don't lie. Then he says, don't lose your temper. And then he says, don't steal. And then we get to the, what's it, verse 20? 29, excuse me. And don't use foul or abusive language. Now it's rampant in our culture, isn't that? To use foul and abusive language? It's just rampant. He said, don't do that. Let everything you say 
be good and helpful. Everything you say this week been good and helpful? Not me. Why? So your words will be an encouragement to those who hear. You'll add value to your life. And the next verse says, then, if you, don't, if you do this, you'll bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit. I think that's an interesting phrase. We don't think about that too much. It pains the Spirit of God in us when we use, do these things or especially use foul and abusive language. Now, the message is a, is a paraphrase, but there's a phrase in uh, the paraphrase of this verse that I love, and it's this. Each word a gift. Wow. Has each word you've said been a gift to the person that you said it to? Wouldn't it be amazing if it was? Kind of all kinds of examples in Scripture. Pick out a couple. There's a crowd that brought a lady caught in adultery to Jesus. Now, I always ask, where was the guy? Because if there's adultery, there's two, right? But we don't know about the guy. They brought the lady, and they said, oh, okay, according to the law, she should be stoned. And Jesus kind of ignores them for a little bit, and they gets frustrated with them. And he says, okay, any of you without sin, you can throw the first stone. And so Scripture says, from oldest to the youngest, they walked away because they all knew they were sinners, right? Maybe not adultery, but some other sin. Then what's Jesus say to the lady? Where are your accusers? And she says, um, I have, there are none. Now, what did Jesus say to her next? Neither do I condemn you. Now, if you just committed adultery, what kind of gift is that? Neither do I condemn you. Now, I said, okay, another gift was go and sin no more because sin isn't good for you and isn't good for people around you. Each word a gift. Can't imagine being Peter. Last night of Jesus' life, Jesus says, you're going to deny me three times before the sun comes up. How can you imagine? How are you going to feel about that? I, no, I'd never do that, Jesus. Of course, we all know the story of exactly what happened, right? And after Jesus, Peter denies him three times, Jesus looks at him. Now, what do you think that look was? Was it, I told you so? You betrayed me? No. It was a look of your gift, I would say. I still love you, Peter. After resurrection, Jesus comes and has an interaction with Peter, and he says this. Peter, do you love me? Peter says, you know, Lord, I love you. He says, hey, take care of my, the other believers, the followers. Uh, Peter, do you love me? Oh, maybe you didn't hear me the first time, Jesus. Yes, yeah, 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 I love you. Okay, Peter, take care of, care of, the, care of the other Christians. Uh, Peter, Peter, do you love me? Now, Peter gets a little ticked off of the third time, wouldn't you? And he says, you know, you know I love you. Okay, Peter, take care of them. Fellow believers, you and I have no idea the impact our words have on other people. I don't think Claudia will mind me sharing this. Last week, she's in the, we're out there in the, and she said, oh, some people uh, complimented me on our music today. And I said, that's great, but nobody complimented me on my sermon. 
Now, I don't want necessarily compliments on my sermon. And they don't do the music to get compliments from me. It's great to get them, though. It's an encouragement. It inspires them. They're maybe add a little, you know, energy into their lives. And even next week or today, wasn't it great today? They were more inspired to lead us in worship. We have no idea what our words can do. Now, the flip side, social media. Talk about foul and abusive. There's so much negativity out on the Internet. Now, I'm on Facebook, but the only thing I do is give thumbs up or say happy birthday or happy anniversary, whatever. I don't get into any kind of negative discussions about anything. Each word a gift, whether it's vocal or on the Internet or text or whatever it might be, each word a gift. Now, what did Jesus not say? Jesus didn't say, oh, you need to worry about the government. You need to worry about the last person who got elected president. Um, I'm on this committee to, 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 to highlight uh, laws that come up in the state of Maryland that we should be against as believers, like abortion laws and so forth. Um, and we have a very liberal government in Maryland. Some of you don't live in Maryland, I know. But, um, should I worry about that? Should I worry about the stock market? Is that what Jesus said? Should I worry even about my health? I had a kind of a strange thing happen to me this week. It's hard not to worry about your health. And no. What did Jesus say? Fascinating. He said, why do you have so little faith? What's he talking about? He's talking about exactly that. Why do you have so little faith? Um, next verse. So, don't worry, or don't have so little faith, which equals worry, about these things. What should we eat, drink, or wear? Things I just mentioned. These things dominate who? The thoughts of unbelievers. Unfaith. That's not a word, is it? <laughs> Unfaith. But your Heavenly Father already knows all your needs. He's already, already got to take care of. Our worry shows our little faith. And we all worry, I know. And then we get to the verse we've used multiple weeks. But instead of that, seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. So, am I going to be faithful? I'm pre-deciding what? In every interaction, an opportunity to add value. Secondly, every resource is an opportunity to multiply. And that's a story I referred to earlier. Jesus tells a story, a parable, about this master that has three servants. And the first servant, he gives five bags of gold or silver, whatever you want to call it. The second one, two bags, and the third one, one bag. And he says, I'm going, aw going away, and I'm trusting you to take good care of this, these resources. He's gone a long time. He comes back. He meets the guy he gave the five bags to, and the guy says, okay, here's ten bags. You gave me five. Now you have ten. And what is the master's response? And that's what we all remember, right? Um, let's bring that up. The master was full of praise. Yeah, double my money, right? Full of praise. Well done. Good and, there's our term, faithful servant. You've multiplied what I've given to you. You've been fruitful in handling small amounts, so now I'm giving you many more responsibilities, 
let's celebrate together. Now that Greek word for faithful is kind of an interesting word, pistos. Here's what it really literally means, a person who shows himself faithful in a transaction of business. So this isn't just kind of this intellectual belief thing. It's an actual workout belief thing. So you're faithful in your business, faithful in the execution of your commands, or discharge of your official duties. <clears throat> Multiply. So whatever it might be. I kind of thought about it in this respect. If, if God gives you a house, um, take good care of that house. God gives you a car, take good care of that car. With, of course, every financial resources God gives you, make good use of those. So here's the dilemma. What is required of the first two servants that the third servant didn't do? And I thought of the word because I mentioned it a week or two ago. Risk. Investing money is risky, right? Because you could lose. But the first two guys, the guy with two bags, multiplied and got two also. Master said the same thing to him. So risk is involved. I thought about missions. Um, we just had a mission offering, international missions. We'll have a missions offering around Easter for missionaries in, the United States, in North America. Um, we do mission work all the time uh, in the school and so forth during the week. Um, but when you give money to missions, it's a risk, right? You don't know where it's going, what's going to happen to it. We, we try, we make sure it's going to places that we can trust where it's going. But it's a risk. And I'm going to be faithful to God to support the message of God. We're going to see how Paul did that here in a second. So the third servant, he comes to the third servant. What's he say? Well, uh, Master, I was afraid. Fear and faith are kind of like opposites, right? I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. I didn't lose it. I just didn't make any more. And the master said, okay, that's fine, right? Here's your money back. No, no, no. What's the master say? He doesn't just say that was stupid or that was, you were lazy. He does say he was lazy. He said, wicked. When we aren't faithful, we don't multiply God's resources, we aren't just lazy or foolish, but wicked. And thirdly, we finished here in a couple minutes. Every interaction, opportunity to add value. Every resource, opportunity to multiply. Every prompting, this is a big topic, I know is an opportunity to obey God. So, Paul's this great missionary, most of you know about, started, he went around the Mediterranean, starting churches. <clears throat> he's in um, Ephesus, and he's telling them something. It's, it's fascinating what he's telling. It's in Acts chapter 20. Here it is. And now, compelled by the Spirit, literally that means bound by the Spirit, forced by the Spirit, Holy Spirit of God, I'm going to Jerusalem. He's been back and forth to Jerusalem before. Without knowing what will happen to me, of course, nobody knows what's going to happen to us in the future, do we? But he kind of had an inkling. 
How do I know? Because he says so. So I'm not sure what's going to happen, but, or except, that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city, this has been my track record, that jail and suffering lie ahead. What's happened in the past, that's probably what's going to happen in the future. But, okay, but, my life is worth nothing unless. I use it to finish the work assigned me by the Lord. What was his work? The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. In some respects, that's all. Work, work for all of us, isn't it? <clears throat> but specifically, and to do that, he had to go to Jerusalem. Not sure what's going to happen. As most of us know the story, that's exactly what happened to him, right? He was put in jail. So, in your relationship with God, there's an important question we all need to ask ourselves. Am I in this relationship more to get out, what I get out of it, or what I put into it? Those of you who are married, it's a good question, isn't it? Right? Am I married to the person, what I can get out of it, or what I can put into it? Most importantly, in our relationship with God. Now, this, this compulsion of the Spirit of God is kind of interesting. It, it can, can be in a big context or small context. Uh, most of you know some of these stories. You've been around for a while. But when I was 17, I enrolled at the University of Maryland to be an engineer. But God said, no, I want you to be a pastor. And so we had this kind of little argument for a while. And finally, I said, okay. Now, I gave, I gave him some caveats. You ever give God caveats? Kind of stupid thing to do. But anyway, I said, okay, God, as long as you, you know, give me some time. And secondly, if you let me stay in Maryland. I lived uh, near Baltimore at the time. So God didn't really answer me. But anyway, so 10 years later, I become a pastor in Maryland. All right? It wasn't three years later and God started the Spirit of God started to compel my wife and I. I want you to be a pastor in another country. Not just another state, another country. And we felt so compelled after four years that we became international missionaries. Now, the strange thing was when we came back to the mission field, we felt compelled not to go back to the mission field. How do you respond to the compulsions of the Spirit of God? And for most of us, they're little things like, um, you should call that person. Now, the interesting thing to me is sometimes I'll call that person, they don't answer. I don't get to talk to them. And I think, okay, sometimes I think God just wants us to be what? Obedient. In fact, the best way I can think about describing it is the way I put on the outline. Obedience is our responsibility, right? You know, what's the old adage? If, some, if God tells you to jump, you say, how high? Right? Wouldn't it great if we could get that place? Our faith was, jump, how high? Rather than, eh, I don't feel like jumping, or maybe can I, can I jump later? But the outcome is God's. So if the answer, person answers the phone or not, and on the other end, not my responsibility. So I came across this thought. Uh, I thought about it in relationship to marriage. I thought about it in, in relationship to being a pastor of a church for a long time. You and I are going to overestimate what God can do through us in the short term. 
got a newlywed way over here. You know, you just think you get married, it's going to be bliss all the way, right? Well, it doesn't turn out that way. didn't turn out that way for us. Maybe for you it did. didn't turn out that way for us. So I overestimated how easy or smooth it would be at the beginning. And now after a long marriage, I underestimated how great it would be at this point. I just did. Same thing with, with finance. I talked about our finances. It's just easy for us to be generous now. We have surplus. Why? Because we were faithful year after year after year after year. We, thought, we were hoped it would have came sooner, but we could have never imagined we'd be at the place we are now. Health. I mentioned my, my, my physical therapy exercises. And I focus on one part of my body. That's the health. And I'm actually having success. In fact, it would, I would never believe I would have had the success I, I have at this point. And of course, when I think about church, I think about COVID. It's almost three years, folks, since COVID. Next month, three years. Of course, they shut everything down, but they shut the church down. So we would come, 10 of us, limit of 10. We would come and do our church service, and you guys would watch it from home. And uh, it's kind of hard when there's nobody out there. Hard singing, hard speaking, whatever. And gradually, slowly, like I said, it's almost been three years. I remind you what, what Jesus said to Peter. He said, Peter, on this rock, meaning myself, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church, this church, is God's church. So, look at the proud. Others, sometimes ourselves. Trust in ourselves. Those lives are crooked, but the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. So, what do you do this week? Pick one of those areas. You could do all three. I think it'd be easier to focus on one. Pick an area. Like, yeah, this week I'm going to pour into in the, in the lives of people that I come in contact with. I'm going to build them up. I'm going to encourage them. That, that's what I'm, my goal this week. And maybe it's to multiply your resources. Uh, and resources can be other things other than money. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to multiply. I'm going to multiply my impact here. I'm going to multiply my usefulness of my time, whatever it may be. And of course, the catch-all is obey God. Okay, this week I'm really going to be in tune to God, even about the little things. If I believe God wants me to do this, I'm going to do it. That's my goal for you this week. I pray, pray that you will, and God will bless it, I'm sure. Let me pray with you. We'll have a song and let you go. Uh, Father God, we thank you that you are the faithful one ever faithful. And we're thankful that you put up with our lack of faithfulness at times. And without it, use that as an excuse, we want to pre-decide. Faithfulness is a priority to you. It should be a priority to us in our relationships, with our resources, and in our obedience. So God, direct us, each of us, in one of those areas. And then we pray for those who don't know you, Lord, have not accepted you, have not been all, all in in this Christianity thing, have not come to a place of surrender, saying, I'm a sinner, I'm separated from God for eternity, I die without salvation. 
and understand that Jesus died for me, rose and conquered death, and that's that's the payment. This salvation is a gift. And of course, we are to live faithfully after that. So I pray today, today that that would be your priority, consideration of becoming one of God's children, accepting his gift of grace and forgiveness. We thank you that you're at work, God, in our lives and in our world, even though sometimes life is tough. Continue to speak to us for the remainder of the service. And we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen.